We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, it has. Uh, Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss new movies weekly. However, um, it's October. It is now October. It is the first week of October as we're recording this. Uh, October 2018, to be exact. And that means it is a very particular time of year. It is the time where the Out Now There and Abe podcast uh, delves into their horror specials. Um, for the next several weeks um, throughout this month, we're going to be unleashing um, several uh, uh, horror-themed bonus episodes, which are always fun to do. And uh, for this month, we, we already have this all planned out. we got some cool guests that are going to be on and everything, uh, some regulars and everything. Um, but for this one, we're going to start out with our commentary right off the bat. We're do our commentary track, which is also kind of fitting the theme uh, of the month in its own way. Um, and that's what we're doing. We're going to... So, for this uh, this week, this week's this month's commentary track, as well as this first week of the horror specials, uh, we're going to talk about Sam Raimi's Dark Man from 1990, Universal monster tribute slash superhero film, um, starring Liam Neeson, Francis McDormand, Larry Drake. Okay, <laughs> yeah, blank for a second. Uh, Doctor Giggles. Doctor Giggles. Oh, Doctor Giggles. Yeah, L.A. Law. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's the movie. Will be. Uh, that's the movie we'll be talking about. We'll be doing a commentary over. And joining Abe and I to discuss uh, Darkman, we have, from Wise to Blue and the Cult Cinema Cavalcade podcast, he finally won the pink elephant. It's Brandon Peters. Darkman, no parents. I don't think there are any parents in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Also joining us from the Nothing's On podcast and the HHW LOD podcast network, he's everyone and no one, everywhere and nowhere. It's Jim Dietz. Call me Darkpod. Because <laughs> you took my, you took the line I was going to say. <laughs> oh, well, you guys are in parallel today. That's great. How are how are the two of you doing tonight? Terrific. Good. Excellent. Good. Good. Excuse to watch one of my favorite movies. Yeah, this kind of ties in also this month with uh, that uh, movie you're just raving to us about. Um, <laughs> that everyone should go see Venom. It's like a a dark a villainous first. superhero, right? Yeah, yeah, that that is a movie that I certainly <laughs> saw right before we're doing this recording, and we'll be talking about it in the next episode, yeah. uh, proper. And yeah, just, I mean, Sam Raimi did direct Spider-Man trilogy, and you know, this is that was a Venom movie that came out, so it all it all fits together. We we had it's all some, connected. Yeah, it's all it's all connected, uh, much like an HHWLOD podcast. Topher Grace is in here too. He's somewhere in there. Yeah, he plays okay, the, he yeah. plays the pink elephant. Actually, it's crazy. <laughs> um, so what, what we're gonna do here. <laughs> What we're going to do here is we're going to have a, a commentary track, which means that we're going to talk over the film. It's going to be on mute so you know you can hear us and not the movie. Uh, we're all going to talk about the film and whatnot. If you want to listen and play along, you can uh, you know get the movie paused. We have it set at five seconds in, and we're just going to count down from three and plus play and uh, just start talking. For those of you that are just listening, that's all you got to do. You just got to keep this thing going because you're, you're ready and set, so good on you for that. Um, so... I think we're already here. As I said, we have it five seconds in. I'm going to count down from three and say go. You guys all ready? Yeah, let's ready. Do it. Okay. You know it. Three, two, one, go. So this is 1990. We get the fancy Universal logo. This isn't the first movie that, or the first Universal movie that did this, though, right? Uh, that logo? Yeah. It was on Back to the Future 3. That's yeah, like that's the first right. time I remember right. seeing yeah. it. Yeah. They always have, I think it's generally like Spielberg. This is what Earth has ever had. The, uh, Spielberg or Amblin films that like premiere some of the new Universal logos. Um, hmm. I know the Lost World premiered one too. Um, which would, would be? Why would it be the Lost World? Seventy-five years. 
Because this is nineteen. Pretty sure they did it. They did that same logo in eight bit for uh, Scott Pilgrim too. If I'm not yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's right. Oh, Universal, much like Warner Brothers and and Disney, likes to have fun with their logo. Yeah, they have fun. Again. Yeah. Univer- mm-hmm. They did a Too Fast, Too Furious one, which I always remember as well. Because I'm like, wow, Too Fast, Too Furious got the logo treatment. Okay. Remember when uh, Fox went crazy with the X Men and like they left the X there for a little bit? Ooh. Yeah, that that's all they did. <laughs> Although they went for like the scream noise or whatever in um. In one of the Predators, right? Didn't they? Yeah, I think they did some of the aliens. Sometimes in their like in their trailers, they'll do something crazy with the logo, but yeah, you know, when it comes to the movie, it's straight up. So, I think this. I think Sam Raimi might be our guy when it comes to commentary tracks because we've done two. Oh, Spider- yeah. we've did two Spider-Man films, all three Evil Dead films, and now this. That's six movies. Did we do Drag Me to Hell too? No, we haven't done Drag Me no. to Hell. Okay, yet. <laughs> but, um, okay. but I mean, I'm trying to. I don't think there's another director we've done more commentary tracks for. Like we wow. just did our first Spielberg with Jurassic Park, and we've done six Sam Raimi movies now. Hey, we did we did that back to back, the Evil Dead and Evil, Evil Dead, Dead Two, 2 yeah. uh, for the October a couple years ago. Yeah, we were having so much fun talking about Evil Dead. It was like, why stop when we could just keep going? Yeah, we're like, let's let's make this a double feature tonight. So I want to mention that they're getting right to it here. There's oh, yeah. going to be a gang fight right oh, in the yeah. first 10 what? seconds here. Yeah. Yeah, Dude's yeah. got nunchucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the docks where all criminal activity takes place. This is this was the inspiration for The Wire. So normally we kind of talk about our general thoughts of the movie, and I want to get to that. But I want to talk about why this movie exists to begin with, because I love the idea of this, that Sam Raimi basically wanted to do the shadow right the the shadow was like what he wanted to do he wanted to make a big screen version of the shadow couldn't get right. the rights and so he just said all right i'll just do my own thing and he made this movie <laughs> like that's that's that was that's what happened this is something that just doesn't happen anymore because like you usually get that character you just don't do it because well no one trusts you just to uh, make up a superhero they it, not saying it doesn't happen but you know, someone was gonna make, or someone did make a shadow movie, but um, it was four years, four years later, though, right? Yeah. Um, I just, I think, isn't this the movie he made right after Evil Dead, uh, two? It's like his first, like, real, yeah. quote unquote, Hollywood movie. Yeah, he was, yep. he was, he was trying to get the rights for Bat, for Batman or the Shadow. Didn't get either. Obviously, Batman got made a year before this. Uh, I, I, I heard it was a little successful. And um, <laughs> the, and so, yeah, he couldn't get the shadow. And so, yeah, he, he decided to do this. And, yeah, this is his first, like, big Hollywood movie following. Well, because he, De- I mean, he had Evil Dead in 81. It was a big, like, cult success. Crime Wave was, like, a disaster for him, which he wrote with the yep. Coen brothers. So then he went back to Evil Dead 2, where they had a bigger budget. But it was still, you know, it was still its own kind of you know, kind of like a guerrilla filmmaking type thing with a bigger budget than the first Evil Dead. And then it's like, all right, big leagues, universal, let's do this. Uh, right. And yeah, we, this was this was the result before going on to, you know, basically getting a favor to do Army of Darkness after that movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting in doing a little mm-hmm. bit of research. Larry Drake, uh, he cast him without ever seeing him on L.A. Law. Mm-hmm. Oh. He thought he reminded, he reminded him of uh, like an Edward G. Robinson type, the kind of subdued, you know, stress, you know, like the, you know, still waters run deep look that he has as his gangster, uh, as Durant. In this for movie. sure. What I really love about this movie, and now we should talk about like what we, our general thoughts on this before we go further, um, is that Sam Raimi's movie for the, this is such like, it's, 
it's a superhero movie by formula, but in terms of what he's doing here, it's such a great tribute to like noir and like forties crime movies, Universal monster movies, mm-hmm. uh, German uh, like uh, Fritz yeah. Lang movies. It's like all of the, it's like <laughs> this Jake giant's like pastiche film that he was able to put together. It's a very weird movie when you really look at it, uh, but it still fits into like this. Hey, it's after Batman, so maybe people want to show up for a superhero movie. It's just really weird like that. And Sam Raimi got to make a very Sam Raimi like movie while fitting into a genre sandbox uh, and so with all that said i like this movie a lot i'm a big fan of dark man um mm-hmm. I've, I've always had a soft spot for this like bizarre frankenstein type character or like invisible man type it's like a mix of things character and uh yeah phantom like phantom it's, of the it, opera. yeah it's yeah. a it's a hodgepodge mm-hmm. uh but yeah no I, i've always liked this movie and i as i've grown older like i've only gained more appreciation for it and uh like you mentioned like how weird it is and it made it through it became a thing but this is one of those movies that i think you know not until like the internet and uh bigger film community came across that i realized like so many people liked it oh, as much yeah. i knew there i knew there were sequels to it but um i just didn't realize was a, how much people was liked also it also a syndicated oh i'm sorry there was a syndicated tv show too for a short period of time we will talk all about that later on <laughs> oh, i want okay, i want i want no it's okay i want to get to abe's thoughts real quick because i know he's gonna have to duck out of this commentary a little sooner than uh, normal uh abe what are your thoughts on dark man and I'll be back, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen this since I was, like, a kid. And I remember watching it, and I was like, I don't know what the heck is going on here. Because I didn't really... Again, this came out, like, 1990. I was, like, around, like, five. I didn't watch it right when it came out. But I was, like, I was like seven or eight, and I was like, I don't know what's going on here. I don't understand anything. And I'm kind of spooked out by it. So that's my memory of Darkman. All right. Jim, I know this is one of your favorite movies. What, what, what do you have to say it's, about Darkman? I love this movie. I saw it in the theater when... When it came out because I knew it was Sam Raimi. This was a movie that gave me so much hope for Sam Raimi's first Spider-Man when I heard he, uh, when I first heard he was taking over. Yeah, well, the, much the same way we talked about Predator being like that a uh, great hybrid of a, a horror movie and an action movie. I mean, the, like you said, Aaron, the point you made, this is a great hybrid of universal monster movies, action movies, com- you know, comic book uh, superheroes, uh, horror aspects, and, and you know, crime, all those things in this great melange. And it's really... Really enjoyed it a lot. I, I I've enjoyed it ever since I saw it in the theater uh, back in the day, and I just uh, I really appreciate like all the little Raimi touches all through it, and I can't I can't even imagine like another director putting his imprimatur on this and it being as effective as it is because he, I mean Raimi's got that real pulp sensibility you know mm-hmm. uh, with his visuals and uh, you know it really shows in this movie a lot. Um, I again it's, it's one of my favorites. I have it on VHS. <laughs> so that should tell you something. A, mar- yes. a true mark of fandom, right there. Um, this is uh, I, there's so many things to talk about with this movie. Uh, this is <laughs> this is Bill Pope's first film as a cinematographer. Bill Pope who would go on to shoot all the Matrix movies, most of Sam Raimi's movies, um, among other things, and. He just, I, I can see why he continued working with Raimi. The guy gets, these guys get each other. They they get the kind of like, I want to just throw the camera at you and make it feel like its own like character in this film. I want to make oh, every, sure. every, every, every scene needs to be as mm-hmm. lively as possible, which is something I love about Sam Raimi movies in general. There's no like, mm-hmm. wa- there's no wasted time when it comes to his films as far as the look of them. There's always something happening in camera. And that's, I, I mean, he comes, he and like the Coens and Barry Sonnenfeld, they all come from like the same school together essentially they all grew up together or whatever they all did the same work together and you can tell that in all these in all their movies like every one of those movies one of these movies right, yeah. all these filmmakers they all they all they all 
feel related to each other as far as this is going to be a ride. Like, regardless of how serious the movie is, and certainly there's Coen Brothers movies, and even Sam Raimi movies that are more serious than movies like this, uh, but there's so much visual there's so much visual interest in what it wants to fill the frame with and they, i mean bill pope in this movie nails that you nail like as far as making a superhero movie that has so much to say visually this movie is pretty terrific and i mean and they really understand you you know you draw the comparison to sonnenfeld and the cohen's i mean we're, we're just, wasn't Raimi and the cohen weren't Raimi and the cohen's like roommates for a while they were with uh, uh with uh yeah um, with francis mcdormand holly hunter and francis mcdormand and uh, john oh, Hill, wow. I think too. yeah they're like and they're, bruce yeah. campbell live there too yeah bruce campbell yeah they all just lived, oh. it was just like we need that documentary we need that we need that tv kathy show bates lived with i think kathy bates lived with them yes too. yeah kathy yeah. yeah she was holding them all hostage right yeah <clears throat> but um, I, I they some of the uh, the Raimi and the Coens definitely and Sonnenfeld too. They really understand the vocabulary of film. Like they, he knows what kind of movie he's making. He knows how to get apart across these different beats in the form, you know, film. I mean, you look at the Coen brothers, their movies are so different, you know, thematically and where they're coming from, but they definitely know the vocabulary of each genre they're in, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. the noir, fun, simple, or the, you know, or true grit or, you know, um, you know, all the different things. They definitely know the language and the semantics of that, that, uh, you know, that different film genre. And what I really appreciate about this is like, and, and, you know, going back to again to what Aaron said, Raimi uses all the tricks from all these different genres in this movie, you know, all in one movie. And it's a, it's a really, it's a mix that works. It really, I mean, it really impressed me uh, a lot when it came out. So let's, and, uh, and, oh, sorry. and then the already movie, the already superhero movie. This is the first one, really, if you think about it. I mean, it's one it predates the... the crow It mm-hmm. predates blade, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. It, uh, the Dolph Lundgren Punisher, I believe is unrated. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> Uh, um, uh, yeah, Raimi does make a difference. I recently uh, revisited uh, The Quick and the Dead, and yeah. that movie without Raimi, yeah, but because of Raimi, it's definitely worth your time. It's just so, I mean, his stamp on just a regular scene is just makes the film a film that much better um, than anyone else, most people could, and it's fascinating and more entertaining to watch. And he just had, he's just got a great sense of working with the camera i completely agree and it's like i want i want to get to because we're going to talk about silver stuff there's so much things here um this movie is not that long which is a benefit as well um liam neeson so no taking jokes okay guys go on (laughs) liam neeson is the star of this movie this was not sam Raimi's first choice obviously his first choice was bruce campbell universal did not want bruce campbell um which is a shame that said it's liam freaking neeson so you get a character you get like you trade him what would have been a, you know, probably a fairly wry and entertaining performance from Bruce Campbell, who does show up at the end of this movie, and you replace it with, you know, a dramatic thespian like Liam Neeson, who very much gets the inherent silliness that comes with something like this, because he, he has, it's weird how much, like, normally when I do these commentaries, I, t- I tend to have, like, the trivia page open up. I know a lot about Darkman and Sam Raimi movies in general. <laughs> I just, like, know some of this information. Um, Neeson is, like, I, what Raimi saw in him was, like, a monster with a soul much like what you want with like Boris Karloff or the or the actors that played the various Universal monsters. And that's why he chose him. This kind of like wiry Irishman that hasn't really been the, what, he, what was like his biggest thing? Like being a villain in one of the Dirty Harry movies at this point? Like he wasn't really... I mean, he, he was, yeah, there he was, was just, this and there was he was just working. Kim, like right before this. 
Yeah, he just he worked a lot, and he had like uh, you know he had some TVs. I think he was on Miami Vice, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, he had Deadpool. Like he was just kind of like someone on the verge, but he was a recognizable face from being a side player in a lot of things. And I think that's why the studio pushed him, even though Bruce Campbell, you know, had a far more significant like this is that guy role with Evil Dead Two mm-hmm. um, before this, but. Never. I mean, they didn't want to put their money on him. Yeah, I guess like who, the, who can who can forget his star turn in Crawl? Right. Yes. Whether it was Crawl <laughs> and Excalibur, where he has a small role there. Right. The mission was probably like one of his biggest things beyond a you know Clint Eastwood, Derry Harry movie. So it's like, yeah, this is the first big big starring role for Liam Neeson. And... I say, if they'd have got Campbell, he probably would have come back for Dark Man Two and Dark Man Three. Just saying. Yeah, no, I'd be, I'd be curious what the, uh, <laughs> what the what the difference in the history of this film this film series would be. Which again, we will get to. For remind, we'd me. have a Francis McDormand <laughs> Bruce Campbell movie. That would be. That's just crazy to think about. And but, that's the other yeah. thing. Francis McDormand is here as you know. The the girlfriend, um, which is such a like when you look at it's like remember that time in 1990 when Liam Neeson and Francis McDormand made a goofy R-rated superhero movie that's an ode to Universal Monsters. It's like what <laughs> that exists and it's this yeah. and she's very good here coming off of what Mississippi Burning where she got her first Oscar nomination. She's like all right, let's cash in the chips here. My good friend Sam wants me to be in a superhero movie, so why not? And it's like okay, and you know what? These two deliver. They, they do a great job in this movie. Yeah. So what's her? I mean, she's, she's like the Dark she's a just, she's Colin Friels. Yep. Yeah. The yeah. uh, past commentary track, Dark City. <laughs> um, but so Francis McDormand, she's like what a, dist- a DA. She's like a district attorney. Uncovering mm-hmm. uncovering things uh, that gets everybody in trouble. Seems pretty standard for a superhero movie. It seems like. The attorney that just can't keep their nose out of things. Mm-hmm. She's the, she, you know, she's the uh, OG Katie Holmes. She and she shouldn't leave her papers around her boyfriend's lap. <sighs> Causes all the trouble. Now I'm just watching the movie. Um, where's, yes. where's Where's Dark Man set? Is it set like in a city, or is it just the city, or is it supposed to be in New York or Chicago or something? Um. So, so like we've talked about this in the past with, with other superhero movies, especially these '90s ones, where after Burton's Batman, you know, everything kind of went for a look. Everything went for this kind of like stylized retro throwback look, which given what Raimi's trying to do with this character, makes sense for this movie as far as it doesn't, it, you know, it's trying to be an ode to the past, so why have it be, you know, it doesn't need to be modern necessarily, even though mm-hmm. Liam Neeson's character is working with, like, fancy technology to make, like, what, skin cells? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, but yeah, it, it works with that. I, yeah, let's miss something. I, I, I'm trying to think if this is set, like, in a specific city. Obviously, it's shot in <laughs> real cities. Um, right. I mean, it has feel like the last set we're in feels like Batman adjacent. Uh-huh. Um, but that's just kind of maybe like art direction of the time, too. Oh, for sure. And yeah. and this type of, you know, stuff working around with like, because you mentioned Barry Sonnefeld that has a lot of Raimi in him, but he's got Sonnefeld also has a little bit of Burton in him, too. Oh, he's uh, Yeah. Were the Adam Sandler films produced by 
Spielberg or no? Were they Spielberg productions? Which one? Which, someone produced those too. Like someone was like involved on. Them. Well, they had to. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> uh, gosh, I can't remember yet. I'll look into it. Look at that lighting. Oh man. Yeah, these Dutch angles and Ted Raimi. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, no, there's Scott Rudin films, the Adams Family movies. Okay. Yeah. Adams too legit. <laughs> MC Hammer. The um, great use of shadow stuff here. Um, oh yeah. The the henchmen in this movie. It's funny, like Larry Drake. We talk about Larry Drake, who's I think is also pretty great in this film. He's you know he's like the Darth Vader right he's he's not the he's not the he's not the emperor he's not the lead villain he's he's mm-hmm. like that he's the main henchman which is kind of, I mean he is a crime boss but he's still like he's not the number one bad guy which is kind of interesting uh, but it's like that, the you know sheriff of Nottingham he's exactly not, he's yeah not the he's not, guy but yeah. he's the more interesting more ferocious villain for sure <laughs> I love these POV shots as he's throwing him into the windows mm-hmm. or the uh, cabinets. But it, great stuff. This whole thing in terms of the, I mean, we set up right now. We're setting up the whole like he's gonna get vengeance on all these people. What I like is all of these bad guys. They're all very memorable. Like they all have a great look to them that makes them stand out. Even t- like Ted Raimi standing back there of his mop of yeah. The, uh, their their look or their their mannerisms and uh-huh. stuff. They all definitely. And it's not like it's not goofy either. It's just I don't know comic bookish, it's but com- not yeah, to, a, to a cartoony yeah. loony degree mm-hmm. just style well it, the acting's you know it's broad it's arch like there's a lot of mm-hmm. there's a lot of acting going on in this sequence yeah. Uh, yeah to like establish menace but not in a way that's scary just in a way that raises the stakes uh, mm-hmm. and so as a result like... you get and you have such a lively crew of actors to portray these people it's like okay it's hard not to remember all this they could fit in punisher war zone okay oh easily uh... yeah there's some great stop animation work right here. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And yeah, just looking at this scene, it's hard not to, hard not to think of like you know Raimi being like, let's make a Frank Whale action sequence right here as as we mutate this man and turn him into a universal monster. Ooh. I mean, they already got the paper they came for. They don't yeah. have to. I guess they just like their work. Well, that's what I like about these. <laughs> what I like about these bad guys. Yeah, they do like they like being bad guys. Like it's a very, it's a very black and white film as far as like what what the morals are here and who, who stands on mm-hmm. what side. And that's what and so it, make, it helps make Dark Man interesting as far as he's a guy caught in that middle. Which I mean, you can say about a number of kind of antihero superhero films. But I mean, you know, you're not getting many of those in 1990. No. No, you got Ninja well, Turtles. I mean, yeah, exactly. Well, you had you had like super, the Superman movies that petered out, and then uh-huh. Batman was the year before, and that kind of brought it back, you know, for these dark, more you know, darker superheroes. And this was like the beginning of the, the kind of first wave of superhero movies. Yeah, this explosion that happens where Liam Neeson's body comes like flinging out. I remember that being used in like a lot of things. Like it seemed like just the the license for that clip of like being blown up and blasted out of a building, like. It's almost like Universal's like, you can use this. Like, it just seemed like it was appearing everywhere. It would appear in, like, TV shows, random skits. Like, it would just come up. It's like, okay, that's just the go-to blasting somebody out of a building sequence. No, you mean it's, like, stock footage? Yeah, it's, like, stock footage, essentially, yeah. Here's a fun shot. Leave me oh, man. Badly damaged, nice. crawling across the floor. 
I love the motifs that keep happening here. We get this bird that, you know, the, the bird that bobs back and forth looking for water. Like it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a good callback that comes later on in the film as well. Ding. Here he comes. I am. Whoa. <laughs> Wee. Eat your heart out, die hard too. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't even have to swear. That's a fun shot of her standing in front of a green screen. <laughs> like morph into this next time. It's super old school too. I mean, yeah. they could have, they could have, like, it's got to be intentional. I mean, they they could have done way better than that in 1990, even on like the super low budget. It's right out of that. It's a, oh, I'm sorry. It's a comic panel. Like, it just looks just like what a comic yeah. panel. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were using that uh, technique called introvision, where they shoot on uh, with the plate glass over, you know, that it's like a smoke plate glass. I mean, because it, it wasn't a, a blue screen or a process, you know, or a regular process shot. I was looking through my, uh, you know, um. Like the rear projection shot, or yeah, well, it's similar to that. It's, it's called Introvision. They used it. On, Remy used it in uh, the Evil Dead, the um, Evil Dead Two, and the Army of Darkness as well. It's it's very old school, like you said. Um, it's on my in the uh, special features on the VHS. Oh, <laughs> and, I, I'm, I'm, and I'm sure that's very deliberate because Remy he does have such a love for the past. He has a love for Hitchcock. He has a love for just like old school filmmaking techniques and oh, yeah. making you know, make. I mean, obviously he's he went on to make some of the biggest like lavish special effects films possible between the Spider-Man trilogy and even Oz the Great and Powerful. But at the same time, he loves the practical stuff. He loves having fun on sets and doing these kind of things. So that's why you get movies like this or The Evil Dead or Drag Me to Hell or even Quick and the Dead. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they don't they don't need to rely on the latest and greatest set of effects. And instead of like making something that will look dated later on, he for these kind of films at least, he would use the yeah he would use things like the like the old school effects that right. give that kind of vibe that that add to the films you know, uh, f- flavor, like what it's trying we to go for, evoke. Major amount of cameos about to appear. Yeah. <laughs> in the scene. You have Jenny Agutter from Lord Logan's Run as the main uh, neurosurgeon or what have you. And then behind she's, the masks. Uh, well, she's in American Werewolf in London, too, so. Yep. John Landis. Through there, yeah. Cohen Brothers. And uh, uh, San Raimi is one of them, too. And Sam Raimi, too, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love the POV shot, too, of him on this Catherine wheel or whatever. <laughs> now she explains the powers. Yeah, it's just like RoboCop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which we've also done a commentary for. <laughs> right. It's important to have him rotating around like that, though. <laughs> it, it helps the science. Mm-hmm. Makes it much more sciencey. They talked about ever bringing back Darkman in this day and age. Is it a comic, Jim? Isn't there like a comic series that's been going? There, are, there have been comics. There were there was an adaptation of this movie that was three mm-hmm. issues from Marvel. Marvel did another mini series later in the nineties, and then uh, I think it was Dynamite did uh, Darkman versus uh, Ash. Yeah, uh, okay, it, I remember mini series okay, yeah. that came out not too long ago. But that's that was the only uh, Darkman comics I was able to find anything about. It's kind of surprising that there hasn't been like among all the announcements we get a, a, a rise in Darkman fandom, <laughs> but. Uh... I mean, I guess I'd, yeah, I, mean, I think I, if I had to guess, it's because they, you know, for one thing, there's only 
as much as we like to try to do stuff with IP these days, it feels like Darkman seems to be their one limit. But also because it's so indebted to the Universal Monsters, they figured, well, why do Darkman? We can just do the Universal Monsters, right. which is what led to the very successful Dark Universe that we're still talking about. Oh, and, sure. Uh, a, <laughs> mon- a, a monster hero oh, in this, the this mummy, sequence, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt. But, oh, my God. So great. Yeah, the whole just like him bugging out and going through the, the going into his mind with all those weird visuals and then coming back out and going into dark man puberty. Yep. This does lead to a pretty cool shot right here, right, where he's just kind of like bandaged up on the on the like rainy ledge. Mm-hmm. Which is like, and this is just straight up like throwback kind of material because it's like there's no there's no point where the city's ever going to look so like if it's in LA there's no LA where it's going to be torrential rain like this but it's like why not let's right. let's have this this scene that evokes a, a number of different monster movies with all the this this very specific lighting um very wet sets this man a flooded wrapped, alleyway flooded alleyway with a man wrapped yeah. in bandages and finding an old coat like this is just straight out of the 30s right here then the crow starts walking the other way down the alley. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rorschach walks by with a Three. sign. Yep, Rorschach's there. V swings by and says, hello! <laughs> Someday a real rain will come and wash this scum off the street. Jack the Ripper murders somebody. Apparently it's just all Alan Moore stuff. That's what's going on. This, <laughs> this is very phantom here, of course. Mm-hmm. Him seeing yep. his woman, but knowing that he can't. It is funny thinking about how many different Universal monsters actually are incorporated into this one character, because it is yeah. it's easily it's obviously a bit of Frankenstein, it's obviously a bit of Invisible Man, but it, you know it's also like there is a Wolfman element to this as far it, it, like a reverse Wolfman element since he yeah. can, he can he can create human versions and go back to that before for a short period of time before that melts off him. There's a you know there's some creature of the Black Lagoon action going on here. Obviously, Phantom of the Opera is in here as well. It's like it's it's a, it's all Hunchback of these and Notre Dame. Hunchback, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it was no mistake that he shopped it to Universal first. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I don't get sued, guys. Why don't we just do this together? <laughs> you know, if you just moved five feet up the alley, you wouldn't have that water splashing on him constantly like that. Yeah, but it's in, it's inspirational water splashing. This is such a fun, like, just... I know, <laughs> look at this, this scene. match cut's I, amazing right here. I know, it's Great. incredible. I mean, you're going back into his twisted mind with the whirlpool, and it's almost like a Hitchcock homage. Like, this, it, it was such a thrill when Drag Me to Hell came. He's like, I like the Spider-Man movies a lot. It's like Spider-Man mm-hmm. 2 is one I, you know, I generally say is the best comic book movie of all time. Um, or like superhero movie of all time. But... Like, when he announced, like, after three, he's like, I'm going to do Drag Me to Hell. It's going to be a throwback to my Evil Dead days, and let's let's see what I can do there. And then just seeing mm-hmm. that movie and seeing just, like, oh, yeah, Raimi's still, like, he had fun making those. But, I mean, you can see a lot of Raimi in those all the all three Spider-Man movies, but it's like, here he is back in his element, like, just getting dirty with these actors and, like, putting them into terrible situations with practical effects. And it's like, that's what this movie is right here. It's just like, even with the studio, he's like, I'm going to I'm gonna dress up Liam Neeson as a crazy monster and just throw the camera at him and see what happens. Well, honestly, I thought the Spider-Man movies, when they, when they announced Raimi as the choice to make the Spider-Man movie, I thought it would be more like this. I thought it would be more pulpy and more uh-huh. of a 
more of an aesthetic, you know, leaning toward Darkman. I mean, it was obviously a different film or whatever and a different tone. But when they first announced it, I remember being very excited. I'm like, oh, wow, it's going to be really pulpy and very, quote, you know, for lack of a better term, comic booky, you know? Yeah. And I, you know, I, I'm not I, taking I, anything away from the Oh, movie. no, yeah, I, I, I hear you. And I, I think it's different than I expected because I I'd seen this and this mm-hmm. is this other, you know, superhero movie. I think as, the, as those Spider Man films went on, they became more uh, untethered. Rainy films. Uh, yeah, well, Spider Man sure. Two especially is just oh, Spider Man yeah. Two. I mean, when I think of Spider Man Two, for when it comes to Rainy, I think of the Doctor Octopus birth yep. scene. Like, mm-hmm. That's that's a clear mm-hmm. that's a clear Evil Dead riff that he's going for. But like Three, which I do like more than most people, it has yep. there's a lot of Rainy's like sense of sensibility, and you can tell because it's written by him and Ivan Rainy. Like that's they, they handled the script for Spider Man Three, and it's like it shows. It feels the most like an Evil Dead movie as far as non-stop goofiness that's going on with a lot of the peter parker scenes uh which is why well, and he was also, he was pretty bitter about some of the things with that movie too because oh, yeah, they're so. they're forcing so much on him so it's like all right if you wanted me to cram venom in here i'm still gonna have like my own sense of fun with how i'm gonna present some of these sequences right so here's a jazz dance scene and whatnot. but like i i think like i someone i think it was randy um Schaefer, uh, friend of the show, show. right? He once said that, you know, the the thing about the Peter Parker dance thing that everybody gets wrong is, like, it's supposed to be stupid. Yeah. But it's also, it's because it's supposed to be what Peter Parker thinks is cool, and it's still not. Oh, yeah. It it definitely supports the character. It supports the Tobey Maguire take on the character we've been watching. It's not out Mm -hmm. of step with who Tobey Maguire's been playing. Uh, I can understand not liking it because it is silly, and I do think the whole dance bar sequence goes a bit too far but when he's strutting down the street it's like no that's the toby i've been watching throughout these movies that makes sense to me as far as his dark take on himself like and again it, it fits into what i think Raimi's doing which is i was talking about this fauna the other day because we watched the, the amazing spider-man films where those films are very much set in a modern time they feel like 2012 2014 films Raimi spider-man films they don't necessarily feel like 2000 right 2004 they feel t- they have a timeless quality to them. Obviously, it's set in a modern world, but like the the way he presents the attitudes of the characters, the way they act, the way we're presented the story, it feels like it could be set like you know in any real like American time, uh, regardless of like you know costuming and special effects or what have you. And that shows, I think, in the filmmaking too. Like uh, just what he's trying. They to also do. don't promise things that don't happen. Yep, that's that's very true. Now I've always wondered if this was a CGI shot or if this was you know, done practically. Just you know, this scene of his head thing. rotating in the hologram thing, yeah. It looks so C- it looks yeah, CG, it looks but yeah, it could be either. I mean, it's, it's pretty be pretty early for CG though in 1990. I mean, I mean they were uh, they were using it, uh, but yeah. to this degree of looking this good, yeah. I do like the idea of this like phantom monster thing, like working on a computer, <laughs> desperately trying to yeah. complete his formula. That's <laughs> a fun like update on this kind of map, this kind of thing. It's just like in the uh, new Hellraiser movie when uh, Pinhead was talking about social media and stuff like that. I kid you not. Gee, I'm so sorry I missed that. Yeah. 
It was. It had the weirdest opening scene where I was like, "Wow, that just happened." I'm loving this montage. Mm-hmm. They got the glasses on. Uh huh. No, wrong. <laughs> Unstable. The floating beakers and and vials, so good, man. I'd, I'd, so I'd, I'd like to classic. Think, I'd like to think that that sequence of Nightmare Before or Nightmare Before Christmas, when Jack Skellington's trying to figure out the meaning of Christmas, was inspired entirely by this montage. Oh, it was. What does it mean? Total decay. <laughs> Interesting reaction. <laughs> we should do our commentary for the Nightmare Before Christmas at some point. That'd be fun. There we go. This is Halloween. Movie. I kept studying his hand on fire. <laughs> I don't feel this. I should probably put that out, though. It's burning through my hand. So, like, okay, let's talk about Darkman's powers, which are essentially he doesn't feel pain. Like, that's what it is. He has increased senses mm. because he can't feel pain. Well, he also has a power, uh, adrenaline, uh, like a human maximum or something. Yeah, I like think he explained that at one point. Yeah, right, constant adrenaline flow. So he's like, he's like a Hulk rage monster, always at an 11. So he's temperamental. There's another way to put it. <laughs> but that's it, right? Like he can. It's not that he's necessarily stronger. He just can't feel anything, so it's fine. Right. He has no inhibitions to stop him from trying to beat up people or take heavy damage because he doesn't feel that damage. So he can just use that to his advantage. And the adrenaline causes him, I guess, not to feel fear as much because he has a constant flow of adrenaline. So, like later when he's hanging off the helicopter and stuff, he's not really afraid of it. Well, he's but he's still make, he's still like guffawing at. It. He's like, whoa! Yeah. <laughs> he's still making the eyes, you know, the eyes behind the bandage too. Yeah, that's another thing on the uh, the special scenes on the, the limited edition VHS I have, <laughs> where Neeson talks about the challenges of working with uh, behind the makeup and behind the bandages and stuff. Mm. But he committed. Yeah. He did it. Yeah. They also talk about the different cuts of this movie. I guess when they first tested it, it didn't have the Elfman score. And it was a rough cut, and it scored really, really poorly. And then they went back, they re-edited it again. Uh, I guess the first was like a studio edit, and the second time through was Ramey and his people doing an edit. They added the score, and then the uh, the test results were, or the, you know, the, screen, or the test screenings were through the roof. So... Once again, another argument for letting the studio have final cut of your film, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm. We should talk about Elfman a bit, too. Um, mm-hmm. This is like, this time period is like prime Elfman, like getting all kinds of, a mix of like big movies as well as like songs that he still, or scores that he still is like remembered for. Because he gets all, well, he, the, he gets all the Burton oh. stuff, but then he's like becomes the go-to guy for all these like superhero retro movies that are coming out for the most part. Well, he did this, uh, Batman and Dick Tracy, all within the expanse of a year. Yeah, yeah. Right? And then he got like the yeah. Shadow later on, and they all. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say they sound the same because I don't think they sound the same. I think they all have their own rhythms to them, but they do have a you know they all feel like Elfman scores. And at the same time, he's got like all these Burton projects that are coming up, with the exception of Ed Wood. Like he gets Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands mm-hmm. and and both Batman movies, where I think Batman Returns might be like his best thing. Um, that he's ever done. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Love it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love that scene. No Oscars. But, uh, 
No. He's got nominations, but no, 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 uh, no wins. Hmm. Not entirely surprising, but it's like, yeah, he's you know, it's one of those guys. Yeah, yeah, it's funny when you're just talking about like Batman Returns. I'm like, that's another movie that's got a lot of throwback to classic, you know, 30s monster films mm-hmm. and horror. Oh yeah, it's definitely. It's, it's, it's probably that, that's where the people who got hold of comic book like and superhero stuff were going with. They're like, oh, let's let's take it back here. I love I love this scene where he's torturing Ted uh, Ted Raimi, <laughs> and, which is very much in line with Sam Raimi in general torturing Ted Raimi, um, and like throwing this like fake body up in the manhole and they're showing the cars going super super fast. It's just a really fun like. Right. Uh, I'm having fun just destroying this person right now. It's like an extreme version of when um, Arnold holds the dude from the Warriors over the cliff and like lets him go. Hmm. Well, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, it's three names too. What's his name from the Warriors? Clinks the clinks the bottles together. Oh, 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 oh Tom. He's in John Wick. Yeah, he's in, yeah, Wick he's in Dreamscape. He's also in Dreamscape. Yep. Uh, he's in oh Commando. I'm gonna get it. Yeah, yeah. David Patrick Kelly. Talk- Yes. David Patrick Kelly. Twin Peaks. Yeah, he's in Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Wow, what a great shot that was going to the hanging photographs. <laughs> yep. I know I keep saying that, but I mean, it's it's just true. I love the way this movie is shot. It's, oh, yeah. it's got that real. And again, you know, I mean, the only template for this like second this second wave of superhero movies was batman before it and it's really cool to see him kind of take it more like an ec comics pulpy way you know rather than you know dick tracy which was almost surreal with his use of color and everything and then you know later the more you know stylized and things i mean he really really nailed it with this i always thought that's a good pull by the way the ec comics thing that's that's again yeah, the tales from the crypt type stuff like that mm-hmm. that very much factors into this as well among all the other references that we've made so far like that's that, that seems to be like a huge influence on the comic book aspectness of this movie totally the hand the sleeper must awaken oh sorry <laughs> wrong movie hmm. I've invented 3D printing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Bi- bio 3D printing. Right. <laughs> the Mission Impossible got it from here. Yeah, take that face off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess there is, yeah, it is a Mission Impossible, because that, you know, that show has been doing that for, <laughs> was doing that mm-hmm. way before this movie. I didn't think about that either. Yeah, the Mission Impossible kind of thing. This this complicated scheme is as much fun as like Tom Jane's pre- uh, Punisher as far as how <laughs> how elaborate the planning is. Like it's one thing to make a revenge movie where he just like you know dispatches of the various henchmen, but this is like Darkman's going to impersonate this person, buy plane tickets, dress him up a certain way, and make it seem like he's betrayed him and embezzled money from Durant. It's such a like over the top planning of how to like get revenge on like probably the stupidest guy in the gang. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen him buying the plane tickets, you know, all wrapped up in bandages, dirty raincoats. I need two tickets to Atlanta. (laughs) You couldn't have done it online because it was before that, you know. Sorry, we only have coach. Give me the first class! (laughs) We don't talk about how he 
makes the body feel you know look almost the same. You just go over the face. That's where all the <laughs> right, is. right. Like at least the Mission Impossible Three, you saw Tom Cruise putting on like a fat suit to be like Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> yeah. It's his other power. He can fill out the body, yeah. hands, everything. Right. It's just a good thing that everybody in the city is exactly as tall as Liam Neeson, who's eight feet tall. Right. <laughs> this must be a fun acting challenge, too, to be like, be somebody being you. Like, that must be interesting to be told, right? Right. <laughs> Pretend you're not you, but you're you're somebody that's wearing you as a suit. You're the guy playing the guy who's playing the guy. You're the guy behind the guy behind the guy. I'm a dude playing another dude. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I wasn't checking my skin, no. <laughs> you don't check your neck for a bumps? <laughs> the um, The writing in this film is very, like... It's very, not one-liner, it's very um, quick-paced. It's very, like, snappy, mm. one-sentence exchanges back and forth. It feels like a comic book. It works. Right. It, 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 it It's quick to the point. Uh, even exposition is not, like, overly complicated. It's just a matter of a few lines that establish one thing, and then you move on. It's snappy. Yes. There's a lot of, not necessarily screwball comedy does to it, but, I mean, it certainly has, you know, the rhythm of a Howard Hawks-type thing going on. And that's the plan. Like, we cut away, and here we are now. <laughs> like, it's such a... Yeah. <laughs> We've only done Warzone, right? As far as Punisher movies for commentaries? Uh, yes. And yes. you've done you've done Punisher on Colts in the Cavalcade, the Dolph Lundgren. We did the Dolph Lundgren, yeah. Okay, so, ta- oh so, the, so the time will come when we talk about the Tom Jane Punisher more, I guess. <laughs> the ultimate plan of revenge. <laughs> and that Evanescence song... Or not Evanescence, no, but that's she, she's the girl from the Evanescence singing on someone else's song uh-huh. that it's plays. Fun. It's like oh, on yeah. re- repeat in that apartment building. It, it involves fake fire hydrants and um, Will Patton's a secret lover. Like it's a it's a really mm-hmm. complicated plot. <laughs> All I, I had to do is just call the Russian. Mm-hmm. I love uh, I love Durant's. Um, <laughs> the, like Durant, I mean Drake is great in all of this, especially because he's playing a heavy, and it's like Larry Drake's not a heavy. Like, right. has, like his just his like immediacy to how he solves situations. Like we talked over in the opening sequence, but that that great thing with the um, the cigar chomping bit, where he, right. like, he cuts off two guys two fingers, and then he says like I still have eight more points to make. <laughs> like it cuts to the mm. credits. That's a great bit. And then right there, he just sends the guy flying out the window. Like it's it's clear why they brought him back because Larry Drake is so great in this movie, even though he very right. clearly dies in this movie. But they're like, nope, we need more of him. Let's bring him back. The return of Durant. Die, because... Dark Man, die. Which is right. one of my favorite sequel titles of all time: Dark Man Three, Die, Dark Man, Die. I guess we should talk about the sequels a little bit as we watch Dark Man perched along. Yes, I love the shot though. <laughs> Dramatic posing. Mm-hmm. Every super, every dark superhero. Yeah. It's, it's a good trailer awesome. shot. Good trailer the top shot. Top of the there. city. See, that's L.A. So, like, this is L. But I don't think it's supposed to be L.A. specifically. 
like Predator 2, our previous commentary, that was L.A., as we all know. Oh, yeah. the, the future L.A. of 1997. Well, anyway. Time to be alive. The sequels. So there were, like, this movie, was it a hit? Like, yes, <laughs> I mean, it they was. made sequels. So, like, it it was, was made for $16 million and it made almost seventy, I think. Yeah, okay. So, you know, it did its thing. And, like, it was, it got good reviews from critics. Uh, like, it got, it's, like, fairly well oh. received. Oh, I'm sorry, mid fifty, almost fifty. Almost fifty. No, it's still, you know, it's still, still triple its budget, so it's doing its thing. Yeah, yeah. But it was like well reviewed. I think for the reasons we're talking about, as far as it's not just a, it's not just like a copy of Batman, which was a huge success the year earlier. It was its own beast that like happened to fit in this new popular template of hey, let's make superhero movies again. And it was rated at R. I mean, that was uh-huh. that was a big deal. You know, I mean, if there had been a. I don't know how they would have made a PG cut of this at this point, but if there had been, it probably would have done better. Well, like Rainy was coming, you know. <laughs> not that this is this is fantastic. Sorry, <laughs> this, this is hilarious. Yeah, I didn't mean Liam, to interrupt. No, it's fine. Uh, Liam Neeson dancing with a thing on his head is hilarious. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> but no, like, Rainy's coming off of like, Evil Dead, but like Evil Dead Two, that was a hit also. Like not like you know, was it <laughs> one of the biggest hits of the year? But yeah, you know, at the same time. He has this kind. Of, he has a bit of a, a bit of a brand to himself. This way, where at least like filmmakers or like a, the press respects what he's doing. They like his kind of madness that's going on. Uh, right. Like like Eber Eber was a fan of Evil Dead too. Like that, he really liked that movie, and I think he, I believe he was a fan of this movie too, right? Because he he didn't like oh. Batman, but I think he did like this movie. <laughs> anyway, so this movie was a hit did its thing and then we made sequels that did not involve Raimi or Liam Neeson right was Raimi's like still executive or Rob Tappert I think is like ex- yeah producer on all of these because Rob Tappert he's a producer that's what he does um and but they do star uh, Arnold Vosloo the, uh, the mummy himself as Darkman in the sequels some people say he's their Darkman <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was a debate between the ten-year-olds and the twelve-year-olds that saw Darkman when they're in 1990 versus the ten-year-olds. Yeah. Like, it's like my Darkman's Arnold Vosloo. <laughs> and Darkman Two, that does that. Like, uh, what's her name, Renee O'Connor, who would be um, in the Xena series. Again, she'd be mm-hmm. Gabrielle and Xena. She was like the co-star of the co, like the female lead of Darkman Two, which was mm. which in that in that that and Hercules. They were both produced by Raimi and Tappert. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's the connection there that I'm going for. <laughs> it's funny they didn't just get Bruce Campbell to do the sequels. Well, he was... They originally the, wanted... I mean, I mean, he was busy doing Briscoe County Jr. at that time, right? Mm-hmm. He was he was getting... And Congo. And Congo, yeah, yeah. For Congo. five Congo, minutes. Right. I watched Congo not too long ago, and I was thinking, why isn't Bruce Campbell the lead of this movie? <laughs> like, this is, that's exactly right. what this movie needs. <laughs> why, why is Dylan Walsh here? And then I learned he did audition for it, but they chose to make him, like, the opening character instead of, like, the lead. And I was like, why? What did Dylan Walsh bring to this? What did, what did Nip Tuck's Walsh. wet blanket bring to this movie? He was upstaging the gorilla. That's probably what it was. Yeah, there you go. That's not weird. <laughs> Your dead fiancé just appears in a graveyard. <laughs> yep, that's the reaction I'd expect, too. Look at that suit. Yeah, a lot of, yeah, a lot of, a lot of uh, um, critics like this. Peter Travers, uh, Richard Corliss. Um, it's uh, it's at, on Rotten Tomatoes at um, 84%. So. 
which I think is strong for a weird movie like this. <laughs> yes, exactly. But yeah, so the sequels did happen. They were both direct-to-video, right? They never <clears throat> got Yeah, right. they're... They might have screened for the cast and crew, but... Uh... <laughs> Thank you, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> but they could have been, like, wheeling out the old A to B cart. We don't know. And the other thing I'm reading here, Darkman 3, Die, Darkman Died, was originally supposed to be the second film, but they switched them around. So I guess, do they film these, like, right back-to-back -to, -back to each other? Hmm. Darkman 3 was... also... Darkman 3, which oh. features uh, Jeff Fahey as the villain in that film. The lawnmower man himself versus Darkman. Oh. Man. 90s, straight to video, yep. Fahey. There's also a uh, unaired pilot in 1992 for a Darkman TV show, which is available for viewing on YouTube if you would like. Who's the star of that? I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking like, it up yeah, right now. I need now. to know this, Jim. <laughs> Please tell me. Christopher Bowen, but Larry Drake was in it uh, in the TV version. Kathleen York plays his, uh, the um, uh, Francis McDormand role. Huh. It was executive produced by Sam Raimi, uh, directed by Brian Grant, and written by Sam Raimi and Robert e Robert Easel. So everyone was so. all in on this on this Darkman franchise. Like they wanted to get this make this a thing. I don't blame them, I guess. Like, they, they went for it. So, 30 minute television pilot, which was originally supposed to be shown on the fledgling Fox network, but mm. never aired. <laughs> I, I didn't know it's available for looking at it on, uh, on YouTube, though. I might have to check that out. Oh. Just for my own, just for my own curiosity. I'm trying to track the amount of time that Liam Neeson's presumably had spent in this mask at this point as his, as himself. Cause he's like, he had to get to the cemetery, surprise her, convince her to go to lunch with her right. all in the span of 99 minutes. <laughs> it's impressive. This would be the, uh, the point where, you know, the movie has a superhero in modern terms where they start out looking to form their mask the whole time. Then you have that mandatory random scene where you see their face. Like, oh Tom my Hardy, God. like Tom Hardy's Bane uh, flashback. Um, <laughs> there's a, a um, there's an. I'm sorry, as I'm as I'm googling here, I'm looking at it, uh, an uh, uh, um, an article from 2011 saying that there was a talked about remake of Darkman starring Nick Cage and to be directed by Michael Bay. That sounds fake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can see Cage. I can't see Bay being like, you know what? Yeah. I should remake Darkman. I, I don't see that's like a thing. I could see Bay doing like Platinum Dunes. Oh yeah, that version. Darkman, but him directing it, no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We can do a Blumhouse doc, uh, Darkman. If Spawn does oh, well, easily. No, oh, I'm convinced that the, the <laughs> Spawn will kick off the uh, <laughs> the throwback universe. We'll get another Phantom movie, another Shadow movie. And somehow Sam Raimi was asked <laughs> the all meet spawn and Michael Myers. <laughs> yeah, now. Uh, yeah. And uh, Candyman. Who's Candyman with? Is that Paramount? Candyman was with Sony. 
Oh, that's right. Okay. Less. At least the distribution rights for the original film, because I think it was Columbia TriStar. Those have to have lapsed by now. There's been no Spain. There's been no Candyman. <laughs> right. Which is surprising. But, oh, no, wait. Jordan, actually, Jordan actually the last. Right? Yeah. yeah, the third one was Artisan um, Pictures, which uh, yeah. got swallowed up by Lionsgate. So, okay, so there you go. That was, yeah. With uh, Donna Dierko, the lead. Mm-hmm. And his costume look. Jordan. Cheap. Jordan Peele is in talks to remake Clive Barker's Candyman. Yeah, yeah, I was so. just, I was just yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I love that bit right by the way we just talked over where Larry like he Darkman needs to get him arrested, so he just looks into the camera and says, "Yes, I'm robbing you, and that's me, Robert Cheaterets." <laughs> <laughs> that's how I rob places. I announce myself into the security camera. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, it's it's so funny, like Larry Drake, this because I mean, on L.A. Law, he was like loved, and he was this soft, you know, real nice guy, and then he does Doctor Giggles and this heavy yeah. and dark man. Well, didn't he didn't he play like a um uh, a person with a mental uh, issues or um, yes, like yes, uh, yeah. learning disability? Correct. And I think he said he was kind of worried at first about doing this, that it, about his likability taking this role, but he had fun with it. Well, clearly, I mean, oh, he I came back for the for the sequel, right? The Return of Durant. <laughs> the Return of Durant. Okay, yeah, this is all shot in L.A. I can see that now. I mean, I, I, I still don't think they. Oh, re- I still don't think they reference it as being Los Angeles, but it certainly is L.A. They like they just left uh, the the courthouse. I was on an hour just over in that area not too long ago. <laughs> oh, they should have made that pit stop to get lunch first. <laughs> Julia Roberts was almost Frances McDormand's role. Ooh. But she got Pretty mm-hmm. Woman instead. I saw that Kathy Bates was uh, Jenny Augutter's role. And she... <laughs> She dropped, and then John Landis suggested Jenny Augutter. Bill Paxton was almost cast as Peyton Westlake as well. According to Paxton, he told Liam Neeson about the audition. And uh, once Neeson got the role, Paxton was so mad they didn't speak to him for months. I like the idea that they're friends, for one thing. Like that, I, lo- yeah. I, I want to see those yeah. two hanging That's out awesome. together. Yeah. <laughs> I'd watch that buddy cop comedy in a heartbeat. The editor allegedly had a nervous breakdown during the editing process and left the production. Test out that synthetic skin. Oh, ouch. It's uh, not a real hand, fun fact. <laughs> you think? Jim, I know. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Wow, 12 drafts of the script. Forget it, Peyton. It's Chinatown. <laughs> I guess also hey. Gary, Gary Oldman was considered to play Peyton as well. Yeah, yeah. Which I could see. I could see that happening. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, Demi Moore was considered for the role of Ginny and uh, or Jilly and uh, Bridget Fonda tested as well. When they when they remake Darkman as the Mask of Darkman, I assume that Gary Oldman will play the older version of Darkman. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll get like I don't know Dane DeHaan to play the new Dark Dude Darkman. <laughs> He'd fit right in. He's weird. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here's a fun scene where it's like, oh, there's two yep. of them. <laughs> See myself. I like this guy who's like explaining his inner monologue. I don't know which is which. I need to right. shoot one of them. I need to say that out loud. Which one's Durant's? <laughs> it's a very Nick Cage look he's giving right there. Yeah. He could play Durant in the Mask of Durant movie that I'm casting right now. <laughs> <laughs> This movie's almost over, by the way. <laughs> like we're we're almost an hour in. This movie flies by. No, it's a really something quick like one. 90, something like ninety-five minutes or something, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's a quick. Uh-huh. And it never stops, really. I mean, there's right. always something going on. Like, but it never closest... feels lean or like, I mean, it doesn't feel like just speeding through things. Nothing happens. It feels pretty weighty. It doesn't feel like we're missing out on anything compared to right. a certain other anti-hero movie that's coming out this week, it really takes its time to make sure you get these characters. <laughs> Unnamed anti-hero movie coming out this week. It, which is Do you mean a, a, a plus, a plus movie coming out this week? Yeah, the life sequel that's and coming yes. out this week. I mean, yes. it, that movie is 20 minutes longer than this movie, but this one feels more worn or more lived in as far as these characters I get to know. Both, and it's not because of the you know quality of actors any difference. You have some very good actors in, in said movie, but this one it's like it feels like it knows exactly what it's trying to be, and that comes from direct. That comes from the director, honestly. That comes from having basically an auteur in place that like has exactly a, a style, rhythm, look, uh, intent that he's going for with this thing, and it may be this weird beast of a film that's may paying homage to so many other things from decades prior to when this film existed but it's consistent in that idea it, it nails that concept and it's fun <laughs> it's such a fun movie to watch oh definitely here comes like one of the signature scenes of dark man right here with the getting, trying the to win elephant. the elephant trying to win the pink elephants I, just, I love the way Newsom plays this so he's like trying so hard to be normal but he can't you know what i mean it's just it, i don't know it's just really uh i mean I, we keep singing the praises of the movie i feel like we're a broken record but is is this the last time we see neeson doing something this broad before he comes back to that when he becomes action guy like do we see him being this goofy again after mm-hmm. this movie I'm trying to think because like after there's a schindler yeah. You know, no, yeah. After he, he, has other, he has other things. He has what? He, well, I mean, he has Woody Allen, but he has Husband and Wives. He has, uh, like, some other serious stuff. He's a leap of faith. But that's not really... It's not an out-and-out comedy. Because, yeah, it's like Rob, Rob Roy, which I love. Uh, Michael Collins, Les Miserables. 
I guess like that. Well, the hunting's just terrible all around, and he's still playing it serious in that movie. Right. Phantom Menace. He's you know one of the saving graces of that movie. <laughs> this is also true. I mean, yeah, like everything else, he's like he's like either like a mentor figure of some kind or just like good support. Oh yeah, he had that period where he was just mentoring like crazy because he was a. Uh... You know, you had Batman Begins, where King, Kingdom of Heaven, Rachel, and it was uh, is the Lion yeah, he's as, in he's Narnia, Aslan. yeah, Asgard, he, Aslan, yeah, Aslan, yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, what was it? Um, the Dad and Lo- Lo- Love Actually, the, when yeah. he was the you know father mentoring his son as a single father. So he's the um, exact same in Gangs of New York. He's the father mentoring Leo DiCaprio before he dies. Very quickly. right. <laughs> and you say Kingdom of Heaven, right? Yeah, Kingdom of Heaven. Yeah. 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 We can never not mention that movie. Enough. I mean, he's certainly he's starring in like, um, you know, genre stuff like the Narnia, the Narnia movies and Star Wars and Batman. But like, he's not he's not like you know he's he's the guy that you look to for gravitas as opposed to like the real right. pulpy figure, which is what he becomes mm-hmm. in like Taken and onwards, like Clash of the Titans, where he's you know releasing the Kraken and all that. Like that that's suddenly it's it's played a lot more broadly. Or eighteen. He loves it when the plan comes together. He does. I love the slow rotation here on the camera. I guess I couldn't get Harry Dean Stanton for this role. <laughs> oh, look. Oh, that's so great. The lightning bolts. Oh, uh, yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Another one of these. Wow. The twisted finger is so, like, crazy. And then I love the yeah, the three the three different yeah. reaction shots in one camera. I am. <laughs> <laughs> Take the damn elephant. That's a good effect too if the bubbling's get. I mean it's oh, know, yeah. it's, it's, it's easy makeup stuff, but still like it works. She doesn't get the elephant, um, he takes it away. Oh, he takes it with him. Yeah. Wait, oh, my elephant! I wish they brought that back for the sequel, the elephant, so we can make sure she gets it eventually. Even though she's not in the sequel. There is a tra- we haven't talked about it. there is a tragic quality to this film too. Obviously, you know, he died and then came back to life, so it's tragic already. But like it's the- he doesn't get the girl at the end, he decides to leave. <laughs> like, yeah. He gets rid of the bad guys and it becomes Dark Man. And there we go, right there. He 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 literally rushes us into the third act by running away with that pink elephant. Like that's how quick yeah. this movie goes. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, I remember one thing I like about the sequels, which I both I've seen both of them once, but I still have fairly good memory of them. Is that they both have recaps of Darkman? <laughs> like oh, nice. Sans Neeson footage or Neeson footage? Yeah, yeah. Sans specifically Liam Neeson. They show the they show Dark Man, but they don't show right. Liam Neeson's face. But it's 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 all from this action sequence. It's a it's the explosion scene. Um, and this action sequence where he's like running down the helicopter shooting at him and he goes down the stairway. It's all the trailer shots, essentially, just to recap what Darkman is, which I really enjoy about those right. sequels. I should get those. They're both on Shout, right? Just like this movie. Brandon, don't they have Blu-rays? The, what, the, the sequels? The sequels. Yeah, both Universal and then uh, Shout Factory put out... Um... Editions. I don't. I don't think they had anything special with them. Yeah, and I believe you can watch them on Shop Factory TV. Not sure. I think they both. Have, they had like a commentary on them. Yeah, Cinemax is the go-to place for streaming uh, Darkman. Apparently, currently, <laughs> all three of them. 
Good to know. No, Liam Neeson is in uh, Buster Scruggs coming out, the Coen Brothers oh. movie. Oh, wow. Didn't, I didn't know, know that. that. Excited for that one. He's in. I know he's in Widows, so wow. I'm going to have myself a, a Neeson fall. Nothing wrong with that. Just a date mm-hmm. this commentary track. <laughs> I do like the like the sans bandage Liam Neeson makeup too. I, I think it looks really interesting. The, the his like what he looks mm-hmm. like underneath all of that. Oh yeah, like it's a cool like mix of partial face. Like it's a good. It's a good. Actually, it's a good take on what Two Face could look like if they actually did him practical that way. Right. I can see Aaron Eckhart as this dark man. <laughs> oh, easily, yeah. <laughs> that would work. I'd watch that in my, in my Mask of Dark Man movie. <laughs> Welcome to Evil Core. Evil core. You know, it's like, I was just thinking about how much I don't care about what the villain's plan is, and I think that's to a credit. Yeah. I think the movie's like, very, yeah, very, the movie doesn't care either. It's just like, yeah, he's some evil businessman. He's trying to build something. It's, it's villain like, bad. Yeah. We stop him. Like it's similar to something like, like Mask of the Phantasm, where it's like, yeah, there's some corporate plot going on too, but who cares? It's just like Batman's love life is the main focus of the story. Exactly. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Kind of superfluous. Uh huh. It's like, well, 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 you know, we'll put in the shoe leather. We'll give you some stuff that you could work with as why this is happening. But it, it doesn't matter. This is a monster movie. That would be a good one to do a commentary to Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whenever we do uh, Batman Month, we'll make sure to get love, to that. Love that movie. We have done Batman, Batman Returns, Batman Forever. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's it, we've teed it up. That's for sure. You got to get that one that fits in there with the 90s ones before you get to that final epic one. Yeah, Bat- uh, Batman and, uh, and Robin, of course. The, uh... Oh, yeah. Which was planned. We were going to do it last year. Yeah, uh, yep. We had to pivot. We had to pivot at the last minute. Was that when we pivoted to T2? I think it was, right? It might have, yeah. I think because we were trying to get Mendelssohn on, he couldn't do it. And so we just we did T2 mm-hmm. instead, which is a lot of... Because... We can't do his favorite Batman movie of all time <laughs> without him. Batman and Robin is his favorite? Yeah, I think it's, it's his wife. He's not here to defend wow. himself. Yeah, it's his favorite. Wow. It's his wife's favorite. Wow. Look at that skyscraper. That looks like something I was like fighting on in the amazing in the Spider-Man game. It looks like it looks like um what is it, OCD from uh, uh, RoboCop? <laughs> yeah, yeah. OCP. Right. OCP, yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah, the old man sitting OCP. up there watching construction. I work for Dick Jones. <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. Bitches leave. You know, we, were, we just talked, we were talking about Batman Returns. The Selena Kyle subplot is similar to what's going on with Francis McDormand's character as far as person that asks too many questions at the wrong time and then bad things mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. So she didn't get pushed out a window. Yeah. 
yet. And she goes, she does get taken hostage on a skyscraper. So. True. But like even this stuff, you have like a Max Shrek like character, and like I guess Larry Drake make, that makes him the penguin in this scenario. He is a gang leader. <laughs> So Raimi goes on Army of Darkness from here, which I guess is like, that's like the favor, right? That's like his blank check like at that point, even though he still doesn't get to entirely do everything he wants to, although he still, you know, he does make a, a Ray Harryhausen Evil Dead epic. So it's like, it's hard to say he didn't yeah. get to do exactly what he wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... Don't forget, he also um, becomes the executive producer of the uh, you know the Unforgettable Mantis series. Well, yeah, this, <laughs> after this, because he had what well, he had like Renaissance pictures of Rob Tapper, right? And so they're doing a right. lot of they're like doing a lot of TV stuff also. <clears throat> Another very unusual uh, superhero story. I forgot, yeah, he also did the most Sam Raimi film of all time with For the Love of the Game. <laughs> he did that. Excuse me. Talk about a conflation of interest right there. I'm like, oh boy, Sam Raimi's doing a baseball movie with Kevin Costner? I, I'm out on this, guys. <laughs> yeah. I, it's not, this is not my cup of tea right here. Yeah. <laughs> Then he follow, a, he follow, he's has a pretty cool run after that though cuz well actually before that he had a simple plan which is amazing. Mm, uh, yeah. yeah. But then after that he has The Gift which I also think is you know it's not it's underappreciated. I think The Gift is a solid film with a lot of great actors. Uh, yeah, no. Work. Gift's good. Yeah. And then yeah, Spider-Man happens. <laughs> so it's like he's he's set for the next decade doing those things. He had like a bay transformers oh, run though with those. Mm-hmm. Except you know his, they were they were well liked movies. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no argument there. Just from the, the this is what I'm making right now. Nothing else. I but. I love all of this stuff right here. Like this is this is like just this amount of action that's taking place with oh, explosions. Yeah. This is uh-huh. this is so enjoyable. As far as like, all right, let's do let's just get the stunt man just have him run away from a bunch of like explosions from a helicopter right now. And yeah, it's just, almost like a Disney Disney Hollywood stunt show or something. It is. Like it, that. Yeah, it does. It looks exactly like it looks like the Waterworld show. Starring yeah, Kevin Costner. yeah. Right. <laughs> Because it's a lot yeah, of like just barely outrunning machine gun fired explosions. And here's the big trailer shot right here where he goes down the staircase. Oh yeah. <laughs> the nice. crosser right there. That's a good. Yep. I love that yep. shot. It's a very similar sequence in the crow. Only it happens uh, during, at nighttime, not day. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Sammy Remy isn't afraid to show his stuff. Another commentary we did: the crow. The crow. That's right. I thought it was interesting they tapped Raimi for the King Killer Chronicles. That's gonna be an interesting. Uh, Is that what he's working film. on? Now? I haven't. Yeah, the uh, the books by Patrick Rothfuss, um, pretty pretty well received. I've read the first book of the series. It's it's you know epic fantasy, um, more Game of Thrones than anything else. I guess would be you know the closest 
um, uh, comparison. So. Ah! Well, he's got he's, he's got that army of darkness experience to go with medieval. Because Oz, right. Oz, great and powerful is 2013, so it's like it's been a while <laughs> since I've gotten to see myself some you know some Sam Raimi action here. And I wasn't even big. I wasn't big on his last movie. Well, I, he did do the he did the uh, the first episode of Ash vs. the Evil Dead. Yeah, he did that. He he, he's exactly done, he did. He did that Greg Kinnear, he did the first two episodes of that Greg Kinnear show, Rake. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. So it's like he's oh. dabbled here and there, but like he keeps getting it. Like, because I know he was developing World of Warcraft for the longest time before that fell through. Mm-hmm. And then he was on Last of Us, the adaptation for a little bit, right? Um, yeah, it was, he was working on that for a while. I don't know if that's fallen through or not, but I haven't heard anything about it for a while. And the, the last I heard, he was working on like a Bermuda Triangle movie. That was the last thing that I heard. Mm-hmm. This is right out of Batman Begins. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Where are you? Oh, I love, I love that shot of him jumping off. Yeah. yeah. That POV was great. Typical 90s goon right here with the long hair. Long hair, yeah. <laughs> I know you're out there. Mm-hmm. I do like, in addition to like his super strength abilities and what have you, his other thing is I can dress up people and look like other people. <laughs> I'm a master. Right. I'm a master costumer. He changed your body types. He looked at the uh, the Brian Dennehy film and was like, "Take this FX, ha, and FX two, the art FX2. of illusion." <laughs> One of the best franchises of all time. Where's that reboot? Did they announce a reboot to FX? I thought they. I remember. I think they were doing a TV show. I think there was like a. Yeah, they did. Uh There was a TV pilot. I don't know if anything came of it. Brian Brown. Took five years to make that sequel, so they were like, "Man, we got to get on the FX train now." (laughs) Yeah, there was a series in '96. FX. So I guess it's been long enough. That is a fun gimmick. I like because I, I like the first FX to some degree. It's like, yeah, let's get a cop and a makeup artist and uh, or a, like a special effects artist and uh, run with that. Forty episodes on that TV series. Yeah, that's longer oh, than I thought. Oh, that yeah. was uh, that was one of those uh, syndicated ones, right? Though, like Star Trek and uh, yeah, yeah, Forever yeah. Night. Yeah, Carrie Ann Moss was one of the stars. Hmm. Yeah, like I need to go back and watch that now. FX the series. Ah, I do love this. This kind of uh, the fake out with the with the with the uh, the bird where he's like mm, right. to the lighter. And I love that they milk that lighter shot. They're like, we need to keep showing the the moment it hits the lighter to get the flame and blows it up. Yes. I also like his his success face. Like, ha! I reached it in time, ah. and then it's not that. <laughs> nope. Psych. He's still going for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you keep trying again and again. He, he does not understand mm-hmm. holograms. Holographs, and and uh, you know that was ah. his downfall. Yep. 
Love that shot to the explosion underneath him. I guess that's a miniature, right? It's got to be. Especially, yeah, this, especially for this movie, it has to be. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's, you it's, can <laughs> it like it moved a little, like a miniature would uh-huh. with the explosion. That said, they did hook a guy to a helicopter and did this. Yeah. <laughs> you don't fake that shot. <laughs> nope. <laughs> oh, yeah, and it's going to have that big boardroom scene where he bursts into the, the Matrix. Yeah. 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 Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Take that crank. This movie, has, this movie inspired so many other things. It's part of the, one of the final scenes in uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Yeah, there you go. And uh, Swordfish. <laughs> Future I blocked out the Swordfish. Future I blocked out everything about Swordfish in my brain. <laughs> so it'd be like me watching a whole new movie if I watch that. <laughs> I haven't seen Swordfish in, like, I think since the theater. Yeah, I think that's when I last time I saw it, too. I have it on Blu-ray. Good for you, buddy. I can't say I've watched it many times, but I haven't. Yeah. I think as I had the DVD, and so I like it did like the exchange thing because it's Warner Brothers, so they were doing that for a bit. There's that boardroom scene, which is <laughs> excuse mm. me. This is a cool stunt sequence. I mean, they're flying a dude on a helicopter like all over the place. Oh yeah, he's yeah, got good coverage. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I get what's happening, which is another great thing about an action movie like this. I understand mm-hmm. what's going on in the sequence. It makes visual sense to me. Hey, a T3 took this, right? <laughs> the whole mm-hmm. d- dangle guy. <laughs> oh, d- yeah, dangle yeah, a guy yeah, yeah. in traffic action sequence. <laughs> This helicopter is very fast, though. Managed to skim from downtown LA all the way to the east side really quickly. And he brought a lot of grenades with him. He's also very accurate with that grenade launcher. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah, Larry Drake doesn't fuck around. That's that's what I always said. <laughs> R.I.P. By the way, he died, didn't he? Like, not yeah, 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 yes, yeah. Yes, he did. Not too long ago. Yeah, a few years back now. Yeah, twenty sixteen. Yeah, yeah, twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. LD. Yeah, he was the voice in the the Green Lantern movie, the best interpretation of Green Lantern that I've seen, the animated movie. I was gonna say <laughs> what, <laughs> but then you said the anime. I was like, oh, okay. There's a lot of people in that movie. Larry Drake, Kurtwood Smith, John Larroquette, Michael Madsen, Victor Garber, Christopher Maloney. So this is where Durant very clearly dies. <laughs> mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's no coming back from that. He, the he, death no. of Durant. Yeah, that's that. He, he just, uh, I love that he's just laughing at this dude. <laughs> it's like he's saying, burn in hell. <laughs> Just like uh, how Dr. Dr. Loomis definitely died at the end of Halloween 2. We just saw Durant definitely die right there by crashing his helicopter into a, into a, a wall. But wait.
I do like that Darkman thought, if I add, like, wounded effects to my Durant mask, I can make this work. Right. <laughs> like, presumably Get this... that bruise in there. Presumably that, that this uh, this guy, uh, Colin Frears, has not seen Durant, so he wouldn't really think either way, but he's like, I'm going to go the extra mile on my makeup effects this time around. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you blow up a helicopter earlier today? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, you can see I have scars on my face. <laughs> As they go up to the elevator, they see Heath Ledger's Joker hanging off from another scaffold. (laughs) And, like, Al Pacino's betraying Elliot Gould. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man, that was good. (laughs) Joe Pants is running after a baby. That's a baby's day out joke. Mm-hmm. That's probably why I didn't get it. Oh yeah, <laughs> that one flew over. That one flew over your head. Sorry. If I said no. if I said Joe Mantegna's chasing after a baby, would that have helped? <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. Dwayne Johnson's there. That's skyscraper. That movie bombed. I understand. I understand if you didn't get that one right away. <laughs> Did it bomb? Skyscraper? Yeah. I mean, it 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 underperformed. It didn't do well in America. It did better overseas. So, it, you know, it, it did like 300. So, it's, you know, it's fine. It's just it's not like a huge performer. We're not going to get Skyscraper 2 still scraping. Still scraping. <laughs> <laughs> Scrape harder. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Sky hard. Sky hard. I like that the villain who's... Been fairly, you know, call him, like, compared to the rest of them, he's been fairly, like, milk toast for most of the movie, but now he's like, I'm a daredevil that jumps across beams on a skyscraper. That's how evil I am. <laughs> he takes his moment big for this last, this last sex. Love that shot there. Uh-huh. It's the future. Do you a get it? A shot from love. It's the future. What's beyond the fact that he's just mm-hmm. like inherently evil? What is what makes him evil? Like, what's he doing that's wrong? Like he he's bribing people so he can build his buildings, but it's like, is there something inherently bad about the fact that he's making skyscrapers? I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen so many movies where executives <laughs> want to wipe out a city and and rebuild in their own image. To just kind of seem stock to me now. Like yeah, I'm reading like the plot synopsis just to make this clear to myself, and it's like, yeah, he's his big crime is that he bribes the members of the zoning commission. But right. Like, but like his his plan is essentially to make a big building which will create a lot of jobs. I was like, wait, what's the bad part of this? Just like who he's involved with to make this happen? It's like, well, He's not checking birth certificates for the job interview. <laughs> There's a helicopter flying by. Yeah, you know. This is right out of a Spider-Man 3. 
we're going to see yeah. where, where Venom and Spider-Man fight. Everyone's favorite interpretation of Venom. Um, I was going to say Venom, you say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. If only they would make another interpretation of him other than Topher Grace. To, to Topher's credit, I like when he appears on show, like talk shows or podcasts or whatnot when he references having to take Spider-Man 3 as a job. He, he talks about it as... He hesitates. He says, like, when I was hired for... Um, the best received Spider-Man movie. Like he's very aware of the reputation that movie has. Right. Doesn't he do his own fan edits of movies too? Or yeah. am I conflating him with someone uh, no, else? Yeah, he does. He's, he did like a whole edit of the Star Wars trilogy. He did an edit of. Um... He did something recently too, like uh, yeah, uh, the Hobbit. He did the, the Hobbit, three yeah. Hobbits yeah, into Hobbit. one. Yeah. No, he's like a huge cinephile. Like that's that's something I've mm-hmm. I've seen from him. He like he and that's why he choose. I mean, these days he's not choosing movies like Spider Man Three. He's choosing movies from Soderbergh and Spike Lee right. and people that he he admires. That oh he, yeah, he was great in, in Black Klansman. Mm-hmm. As as dweeb David Duke. <laughs> I love that they showed the rivet POV on that shot. <laughs> yeah. Just like the eyeball in Evil Dead Two. <laughs> I like that look a lot of just his face uncovered. It's such a cool makeup design. You're right. It would have been a good way to go with Two-Face. Whoa. Love that, too. Hardcore. Adrenaline power. (laughs) This doesn't seem like it should be the longest fight. They're on a beam on a skyscraper. Just, like, push Mm -hmm. him to the side. (laughs) Move on down. A lot of early Spider-Man here as we're seeing people swinging from buildings. (laughs) Right. He's both great and powerful. Yeah. He's also responsible. <laughs> this is the most Batman-y the score is, too, from Elfman right here. Like, this feels yeah. the most like Batman. Which, you know, also ended with someone on a giant oh, tower. of that shot, too. Yeah. A 360 or 180-shot one, there as he fell back. Uh-huh. Hang around. <laughs> it's funny how much he doesn't go for like the big one-liner in some of this, because he drops some, and it's like there could be some like really cool line, but instead he just kind of underplays this thing. Like I'm learning to live with a lot of things. It's like that's not really a cool phrase. It's just it's it's more in touch with the character. It's more in touch with Liam Neeson. Then Army of Darkness happens, and it's there's one moment that's they're different in different cuts. In the in the theatrical cut, it's like good, bad. I'm the guy with the gun, which is one of the coolest mm. things Bruce Campbell's ever said in a movie, uh, especially where he's playing such an asshole in Army of Darkness comparatively to the other Army of the Evil Dead movies. Right. But then the director's cut, it's like I'm not that good. It's like that's such a weird edit. I don't know why they changed it in the director's cut of that one. But... Wherever there's a cop beating up on a guy. Here's a deep deep reference for you. Yeah, this is the big Henry Fonda scene. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> this is where Dark Man goes all grapes of wrath on us. That's right. 
I would have entertained a TV series if that got picked up and see Darkman act like the fugitive or the pretender or whatever the hell, just like go right. city to city making new faces. The pretender. Oh my <laughs> God, I haven't thought about that show in forever. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a fun kind of show where like every week is a new lead actor because he uses different faces all the time? Sure. Be like Quantum Leap, but with like a time time restriction. Exactly. Oh, how cool would that be? Every episode is like 99 minutes long, and it's... It's, <laughs> it's in real time, like yeah. 24. Yeah. Clock ticking in the corner. So it's like, I don't know, like Sherlock, so you can only have so many episodes a season, but they're all like mini-movies. Get these in the dark. There he goes. Bye now. Mm-hmm. I like that he has. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's just let's make sure we have this in mind. He he both had a a Durant mask with scars on it prepared, and then he he realized I'm probably gonna figure this out and save her. So let me make sure to have an extra mask so I can get away cleanly. <laughs> and he decided to go for sure. Bruce Campbell. <laughs> Is he you? Nope. In the in the Darkman universe, he's a huge Evil Dead fan, so he's like, I'm gonna make a mask of my favorite hero, Bruce Campbell, in there the Evil go. Dead movies. <laughs> Maybe this is this, maybe this is actually a prequel to Army of Darkness. Yeah, he is from there. He went to a, mm. to to a, for a yeah, camping he goes trip. to S Mart. A camping trip to kind of spend some time with friends, get, get right. stuff out of his mind. Chef Smart. Movie's over. <laughs> We're getting credit. Yeah, that just flew. Clip. That flew by. Uh huh. Eddie Black or Brock. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hung <laughs> fat. Theodore Ramey. Now, now you're stretching. He's, he's Theodore. <laughs> he's credited as Theodore Ramey in this movie. Mm-hmm. Neil McDonough was one of the dock workers. Oh, wow. Final shimp. William Lustig and Scott Spiegel like were dock workers as well. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I just got a message from Abe. He, he had to he had to duck out because he had a meeting. He but he wanted everyone to to know that he said bye. <laughs> and that uh, Dark Man uh, three dark die Dark Man die was his favorite. Yeah, no, he's gonna do that commentary by himself. Wow, he really wants to talk about it. Be huh? <laughs> a San Diego Comic Con exclusive this next summer. <laughs> I don't know if they're in a name. <laughs> That'll be our panel. <laughs> when we have a panel at a con, it'll just be Abe and I talking about Dark Man 3, Die, Dark Man, Die for two hours. <laughs> Aaron, I would go to it. <laughs> sure. Why not? I mean, it's, die, it's Dark Man, for God's sake. I do remember the um, the ad campaign when this movie came out. It took like a page from the Burton Batman. It had the, the posters everywhere. Who is Dark Man? You know, with the, the logo, with the profile and the A. Um everywhere you know before the movie came out kind of ubiquitous like the batman symbol was before the batman movie came out uh-huh. is there a, is there an icon for dark i guess it's just like what bandages and a hat <laughs> is that the kind of yeah <laughs> i'd wear that pin 
I wonder if Fright Rags has done any Darkman shirts. I'm sure somebody's merchandised Darkman in some capacity. Or maybe a Darkman action figure? Dark. I know there's an action figure. I've seen that. There's like a there's a number of them. There's one that's what is it? What's the fancy one that does all the cool? Neca. Hot, uh, hot toys. Not but <laughs> shut up. <laughs> not to, um, <laughs> the, the the other one. The uh, like Nec- the... soda soda toys makes one that's on eBay right now for forty bucks if you want it. Like it's the, also a dark man mask. Like the McFarlane toys, like those kind. Um, like that's right. one of them. But there's yeah, there's another one. Yeah, I'm looking at the soda toy right now. Dr. Peyton Wesley, Dark Man. Darkman. <laughs> yeah, Darkman. It's Mr. Mr. Darkman. Like Mr. Spiderman. <laughs> yeah, Spiderman, you know. Spiderman. He he works he, he works on uh, on 13 in the counting. Hmm? Sure. Shirley Walker, part of the score. Batman the animated series. Yeah. Hmm. I also uh, in my in my uh, research on the uh, um, <clears throat> added uh, stuff or whatever on the VHS, hmm. they were saying that Elfman uh, recycled some of this music for Batman Returns. That's not surprising. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of like uh, score incest in a lot of the the Raimi Batman stuff because like it happens in Spider Man too, where there's a lot of since Elfman and Raimi famously did not get along on Spider-Man 2, which is why he's gone uh, for Spider-Man 3 and everything up until uh, Oz Great and Powerful. Uh-huh. It was bigger than them, though. The movie was too big for them. Yes. But so, yeah, so Spider-Man 3, which is why Christopher Young, who also did Drag Me to Hell, there's a lot of... the. I watched the... the editor's cut of spider-man 3 recently which is a little tighter um and a, a little better as far as how it handles certain things but it, it restores like the full christopher young score i guess because there's a lot of they still use a lot of ramey or uh, elfman's um tracks or, like recycle some of them for for three interesting yeah. give it to me by judy valente hit Don't song it. summer 1990 filmed in los angeles the only credited place it's filmed. <laughs> so, there you go. so yeah, next time you're in the area, you got to look out for the um, the uh, the uh, what's it called the um, the the stack building <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, we've uh, we've talked plenty about Dark Man. The movie has ended. Um, yeah. That, that's that that concludes the like the the first week of our uh, our horror specials um i will say right now i believe next week we're talking the fly that is our plan for next week's show we're going to be talking to a special episode focus entirely on the fly and maybe some body horror nice. in general um and we have some other cool stuff planned as well um i know brandon you're going to be gone for next week's show right mm-hmm. um, yep but we will have uh horror regulars jason coleman and jimmy Oh, um, in the building as well. Oh, some other guests possibly. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but for now, where can people find everyone else's work online? Uh, Jim Dietz, where, where can people stop? Uh, you can find me on the Walking Dead TV podcast with Aaron Newworth and, and others uh, at hhwlod.com. And you can listen to all of my other podcasting endeavors over at oldmagicgaming.com, including my blog, Old Man Gamer. Brandon Peters. 
Uh, called Cinema Cavalcade, which is called cinemacavalcade.com, where we are also getting into the Halloween spirit. And we've got a funny episode up called Hack O' Lantern currently. And our next one will be John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. Ooh. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Mm hmm. So. Can't wait to hear that And I'm trying to do something special for uh, the week of Halloween, but we'll see what happens. You can find all my writing over at We Live Entertainment at Wise of Blue and the Code of Zeke. You can find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. You can find all the other episodes about Now There and on iTunes, Audio Boom, Spotify, everywhere else you can find podcasts. Feel free to follow us on Twitter and uh, and uh, Facebook. Uh, yeah, you know where all our stuff is. Uh, thank you, Jim Brandon, for joining us for uh, this Dark Man commentary track. Yeah, thank you for having us. Always my fun. pleasure. For sure. Um, look forward to whatever we do next month as far as commentaries go. I look forward to these horror episodes that we're going to do throughout the month. They should be a lot of fun. But until then, until next time, uh, so long and bye.